welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Womack. You can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And you know what? We're going to have to get through this thing together. Um, I know my voice is not in the best shape. I've got a horrible cough, sore throat. I mean, I've been dealing with I've been dealing with some nonsense for like, I don't know, three straight weeks. Um I'm I'm you know, I'm about over it. It really wasn't bothering me last week. I did have a cough. I tried to edit them all out, I let a couple slip. It is what it is, not a big deal. But just because my voice is trying to go out doesn't mean I can't power through, push out some content. Just finished up Monday night football. Good to see my Packers <laughs> actually look like an NFL team this week. They were, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great last week. Um, it was not fun. Um, you know, it was fun because you know last week was fun because it was week one of the NFL. NFL was back. That particular game, not so much. But you guys know. You guys know what time it is. You know, it's it's the Tuesday morning show after all the games have been played. I have watched so much football, it's not even funny. I've gone through and wrote down notes. You know, I've crunched some numbers. Yada, yada, yada. This is what stood out in week two. That's right, everybody. This is, man, the goofy movie music, Powerline. If that doesn't get you going, so you know what it's me. If that don't get you going, I don't know what will. You know, we just we had a whole weekend of NFL football. We got Powerline on the podcast. What more could you want? This is, you know, the weather's cooling down. It's almost fall weather. We have a cold front coming in. Um, Oklahoma, I'm so ready. I'm so ready for fall weather. And I'm also ready to talk about these games. We are going to start with the Thursday night football game as per unofficial tradition. First note on this game is Saquon Barkley. Look, I know it's not been a fun ride so far. He did have that long run on Thursday night that at least halfway salvaged in abysmal <laughs> stat line but here's the thing dude, we're we have to start Saquon Barkley we drafted him to start him he's gone against two pretty tough defensive lines to start the season out Denver with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and then Washington with Montez Sweat and Chase Young and company these are talented players on the defense that are selling out to stop the run, trying to make Daniel Jones beat them. And let's be honest, Daniel Jones played a good game on Thursday. Honestly, the Giants should have won that game. You know, they wanted to make Daniel Jones beat him. Daniel Jones did everything he could to beat him. Um, he got a, you know, a ticky-tack holding call that took a rushing touchdown away from him. They ended up having to, ended up having to kick a field goal. He nailed 
just dropped a dime to Darius Slayton, wide open in the end zone, long pass. Slayton, it just bounced off his fingertips. <laughs> you know, and so basically the note here is we're, I'm still starting Saquon Barkley because he's one of the best running backs in the league. I'm not going to sit Saquon Barkley on my bench for, uh, I don't I don't know, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, Daryl Henderson. I'm not going to sit him on the bench for one of these guys or you know a fringe wide receiver and then watch him explode on my bench. It's like, you know, I can't live with myself. That's, you know, this is our first or some people second round pick. We're starting him. He's one of the best running backs in the league, if not the best. Um, it's got to be done. Uh, I want to talk about the running backs on the other side of the ball. Antonio Gibson, kind of a lackluster performance, just a quiet performance. He gets 15 total opportunities, 13 carries, two receptions on two targets. J.D. McKissick, I know, had the good stat line because he scored the touchdown. Got the long pass there at the end of the game. But he only got four carries. He did get six targets, caught five of them. Like I said, he got the touchdown. That kind of stinks because Gibson out-targeted McKissick by quite a bit in week one, and it, you know, we were kind of hoping for a changing of the guard there. Kind of hoping that Antonio Gibson was going to be a true you know, three-down, all-purpose back. I mean, he, he absolutely has that ability, right? He was a wide receiver in college. Um is there. They're, I just think they're going to use McKissick. They're going to use McKissick to spell Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, there's maybe some injury stuff going on with Gibson, but you know, he's a talented player. Getting 15 opportunities, I think that's pretty much the floor. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot to be worried about. We're still starting. we got to start him. Kind of the same thing with Barkley. Um, McKissick, I'm not starting McKissick unless I have to. And I did. I had to start McKissick in my Scott Fishbowl just because I've had a ton of injuries slash, well, I mean, I don't even know what you would call some of these players, you know, just not playing football. Um, yeah, so. Ugh, sorry, I am trying so hard not to cough up a lung live on air. Um, let's move on now to the Browns Texans game um you know you know this is like I'm contractually obligated to talk about this I really didn't want to I didn't think I was going to have to because it seemed like Nick Chubb was by far and away the better back but he actually got less touches than Kareem Hunt did Nick Chubb got 11 carries and one reception on one target Kareem Hunt got 13 carries and one catch on one target but here's the thing Nick Chubb is the better He's the better player. He's the better runner. He's going to get the yardage. He's going to get way more yards than Kareem Hunt is. Nick Chubb is the play here. It's not Kareem Hunt. And, you know, I've talked about Kareem Hunt bailing people out with touchdowns and two-point conversions and so on and so forth. Well, he doesn't score a touchdown in this game. And he only got 53 yards and one reception. 6.3 full PPR points. Like, that's... That's not going to cut it. You can't have that in your lineup. He was being drafted too early to be scoring 6.3 PPR points a game. 
And unfortunately, I think that's just what it's going to be unless he's scoring touchdowns. And, you know, Nick Chubb is pretty good at scoring touchdowns. Maybe Kareem Hunt gets on the field a little bit more if Jarvis Landry misses time, but I don't think it's going to make that much difference personally. Like, I feel like we've had this situation happen a lot with these pass-catching running backs, even in Cleveland. Um, You know, there's a time a few years ago, Duke Johnson was supposed to get, you know, get a bunch of reps out of the slot and basically be a slot receiver. And, you know, it just, it never works out the way we want it to work out. And, you know, like I said, that's, you know, it's stuff like this, why Kareem Hunt was one of my top sells this off season, because if he's not scoring touchdowns, you don't want him in your lineup. And unfortunately he was drafted probably to be a starter and I don't want to start him. Not much I want to talk about on the other ha- other side of this game. Um, Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. That really stinks because Davis Mills did not look very good. You know, it stinks because I have been an avid Brandon Cooks person throughout the tenure of this podcast. But honestly, Davis Mills was peppering Brandon Cooks quite a bit. He took a couple shots deep. Um, Should have had him on a long touchdown. I don't know if he just misread the defense or just had a bad throw um i think brandon cook is gonna be fine especially for where we drafted him still gonna outperform that adp um but i mean mark ingram i want to talk about mark ingram just a little bit the dude looks good he looks shifty and super hard to bring down he was just breaking tackles like nobody's business i mean he's at the age where he should probably be washed up, but he does not look washed up. I don't know if he's back on, you know, the particular substance that he got suspended for a year or two ago, but you know, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm just saying if I'm in a deep league or may, I don't know, I guess we kind of got to have to see now with Davis Mills, we're going to see how defenses play Houston. But I mean, I, I was about to the point where I thought, Mark Ingram was going to be a viable flex option um, as long as they had Tyrod Taylor. They don't have Tyrod Taylor anymore for the foreseeable future, I guess. Um, having some problems with that hamstring. We'll see how Ingram looks. Something to keep an eye on. Um, definitely looks like the best back of the three in that backfield. Moving on now, I just want to talk about some quick things for the Indianapolis Colts. Zach Pascal has another good game with a touchdown. Gets five catches on six targets. We can live with that, especially for a player that, you know, if we were doing startups, we took super late in the startup, or maybe even, depending on how deep your dynasty league is, got him off the waivers, most likely got him off the waivers in any kind of redraft league. Five catches on six targets. He's getting in the end zone. We can, you know, we can absolutely live with that. But what's exciting is Michael Pittman getting eight catches on 12 targets. This is a player that was drafted in the second round, early second round last year. A lot of people liked Michael Pittman, myself included. Um, I was not, I didn't have a whole lot of conviction on him either way, but I definitely, you know, I had him ranked as an early second round rookie pick last year, you know, in that group with, you know, T Higgins and LaVisca Chenault and players like that, players that I really like. And so, it's nice to see that target share, you know, getting 12 targets. He gets in the end zone in this one. I'm not saying we can go ahead and be super confident starting him 
next week. But hopefully this is the start of a trend and not just an outlier because we want to see young wide receivers take a step forward. You know, especially these second year guys, we want to see them take a step forward. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of upside to be had in fantasy football with second year wide receivers. And, you know, it's just good if we can have that kind of recency bias, you know, the recency bias next year. You know, if we're looking back at, you know, some of the rookies that were taken this year that maybe didn't quite fire, you know, maybe Rashad Bateman struggles coming back from injury, maybe Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't want to say Darius Tony because he's not even getting on the field. But, you know, there's going to be some of these guys that don't quite, you know, fire like some of the guys did last year. And, you know, it stinks that we lost Jerry Judy for a while because it seemed like he was primed for a breakout. Hopefully he can come back and pick up where he left off. But it's good to see, you know, we, we need that recency bias whenever we're in our drafts next year to, you know, feel comfortable taking these second-year wide receivers. And Pittman's got a real chance here to really establish himself as the wide receiver one in this offense while, you know, T.Y. Hilton and even Paris Campbell are out with injury. It's a good show from Pittman. Um, really look forward to tracking his production throughout the season. Um, let's shift over now to Denver Broncos. We'll talk about the running backs here. Same thing like I did last week. I think the opportunities were dead even between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Almost the exact same thing this week. They both get 13 carries. Williams gets one catch on one target. Melvin Gordon gets two catches on two targets. I don't know. You know, you know I, I can't feel confident starting these players. Um... Like I I loved Javante Williams coming into the year. I think I had him as my fifth overall rookie. Uh, yeah, behind the other two running backs, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. Then I had Javante Williams. You know, but when you're splitting work right down the middle, you know, 14 carries isn't really going to do it if there's another player out there also getting receptions and also just taking work. You know, like... I said with Antonio Gibson earlier, he only got 15 opportunities, but you know McKissick only got. I mean, he got like 10, which isn't great, but at least he's not. You know, they're not splitting time evenly. You know, with these Denver guys, with Javante, with Melvin Gordon. I mean, you know, the yardage output is probably going to be middling. You basically just need a touchdown. You need a touchdown, and I don't like, personally, I don't like having a player in my lineup that it's like, it's kind of the same thing with Kareem Hunt, where it's like touchdown or bust. I mean, even similar usage, it's like touchdown or bust, you know, I don't really want that player. Um, talk about the wide receivers, you know, I brought them up last week, each, you know, of you know DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, you know, they were all getting seven, eight, nine targets. This week, Marvin Jones gets 11 targets. Chenault gets seven targets and a carry, so eight opportunities. He gets hurt and has to leave the game, unfortunately. But DJ Chark only gets one reception on four targets. 
And I mean, I've I've never been that much of a believer in DJ Chark. I'm like, I mean, you know, I can't deny the year that he had two years ago. It was great. Gets Trevor Lawrence this year. Gets you know, gets the major quarterback upgrade. But you know, I really liked Lavisca Chenault. You know, you rewind last year, I was all over Marvin Jones. You know, Marvin Jones is a good player. I haven't talked about him a whole lot this year just because he's not much of a dynasty asset. You know, he's just a player that if you have him on your roster, he's probably not going anywhere. You know, you're, you know, he's on your he's on your roster for the long haul. Um, I just hope you are a competing team because he's not doing anything for you if you're rebuilding. But it it was nice personally to see Chenault get eight opportunities and Marvin Jones get eleven. Like I don't know, if, you know, like I said, we're only in week two. There, these three guys, their opportunity share was pretty even last week with Trevor Lawrence throwing over fifty passes. But like I said, that number's going to come down. Lawrence only throws 33 passes this week. Marvin Jones' target share actually goes up. He gets more targets. LaVisca Chenault actually, I think, got one more opportunity. It was DJ Chark that suffered. So that's going to be something that we have to keep an eye on. If DJ Chark is going to be the one that suffers, you know, if LaVisca Chenault is healthy and Marvin Jones is healthy, if DJ Chark is going to be the one that suffers and it's, you know, Marvin Jones, the 1A, or Marvin Jones the one, LaVisca Chenault the two, DJ Chark the three, well, then I feel pretty confident starting Marvin Jones. I can understand starting LaVisca Chenault, you know, in a flex spot or something if he's going to keep getting seven, eight opportunities a game. We can work with that, you know, especially for a dynamic player such as Visca. Uh Shifting over now to... The Arizona game, I, I, you know, I really don't want to talk about anything on the other side of this game. I just want to talk about Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Each one of them only gets eight carries. We don't love that. Neither one of them find the end zone. Um, but Edmonds does get the receptions. You know, it's nice. And, you, you know, we know James Conner can catch passes. We saw him do it in Pittsburgh. But, you know, he's a big bruising back. You know, Chase Edmonds is the shifty, you know, quick, faster, smaller guy. So, you know, it's nice. You know, Chase Edmonds, I think, has a pretty safe receiving floor. If you're in a 12-team league and you need a flex, I think he's perfectly viable. I actually have him as a flex in a couple of leagues, you know, a couple of 12-team leagues. Um, It's got to be some form of PPR, preferably, preferably full PPR, but... You know, even half, you know, you get 13 touches, five of them were catches from your flex spot in a PPR league. You could do worse than that, especially in a high power, high powered offense like Arizona's. Um, shift over now to the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know what we're going to talk about? We've got to talk about the wide receivers and the target share. Um, Jamar Chase gets the long touchdown again, but only gets four targets. Only catches two balls on four targets. T. Higgins, 10 targets, catches six of them. He gets a touchdown. Tyler Boyd, nine targets, seven receptions. So, you know, last week it was, you know, Tyler Boyd kind of left out in the cold. Jamar Chase was catching long touchdowns. T. Higgins was catching touchdowns. But this game, I mean, it kind of shifts, you know. 
Kind of like how last year, like I said, with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel, I kept a running counter. Well, here we go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase, seven receptions on 11 targets for the season. T. Higgins, 10 receptions on 15 targets for the season. Tyler Boyd, 10 receptions on 13 targets for the season. So now both of these other players, Higgins and Boyd, have more receptions and more targets than um, Jamar Chase. I think they're all worthy of a starting spot. I think it's kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation where, you know, I mean, at least at least in this game right here, they were all usable, especially in PPR where Tyler Boyd's catching seven passes. He didn't score the touchdown, but seven balls, we can work with that. You know, because, you know, with, with the Tampa Bay situation, there's four guys, right? And I'm going to talk about them in a little bit, but with Cincinnati, it's three. We can, if we, if we're consolidating our passing, you know, the passing volume, mostly around three guys, three wide receivers, we can work with that. You know, there's, there's room for, you know, one of them to score the touchdown, two of them to catch several balls for a bunch of yards, you know. Um, Joe Mixon only gets two targets in this game. So it stinks for Mixon. You know, he gets, what, 71 yards. That's fine. I mean, it suck. It stinks he didn't get the touchdown. It stinks he didn't catch a bunch of balls. But you know, 71 yards is, isn't anything to, you know, raise your nose at. That's well over a thousand yard season in a 16 game, even like any, you know, going back to last year, even in a 16 game season, that's well over a thousand yards. That's a usable fantasy running back. It just stinks that he only got one catch and didn't find the end zone in this one. But maybe he's the fourth guy in this equation. Maybe this is how Cincinnati's situation kind of lines up with Tampa's. I know Tampa also has Fournette, and some people can't quit Ronald Jones, but. Personally, I I think we can, but no, maybe with Cincinnati, you know, you're starting all four of these guys. You're starting Higgins. You are starting Joe Mixon. You're starting Tyler Boyd. You're starting Jamar Chase, probably. I mean, honestly, it just might be a situation where we're going to have to deal with, you know, every now and then our guy's not going to, he's not going to get, he's not going to get the work. And if the floor for that guy is 71 yards like Joe Mixon got, we can't really be too mad at that, can we? I mean, if our if our guy's dud is 71 yards, I mean, at least it's not what Mike Evans gave us in week one for Tampa. Uh, let's move on now. I want to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. Look, I don't know what's going on with Brandon Ayuk. One catch on two targets. I mean, come on! You know, he was he was a sell of mine in Dynasty this past off season, one of my top sells. But my goodness, like I can't like I can't even victory lap on this because there's something else going on. And I mean, we're only two weeks in, so I wouldn't victory lap anyways. But like, I can't even say that I'm trending right because I don't know what's going on with Brent. Like, I know he's better than this. We all know he's better than commanding one catch on two targets. So, I mean, I mean, my goodness, like, 
if stuff like this keeps up, if we if we get another week or two of this type of usage, Brandon Ayuk might become a buy of mine <laughs> once again, honestly, because this is not going to continue. You know, I've been somewhat out on the San Francisco passing game just because I kind of believe with the addition of a quarterback like Trey Lance that will tuck the ball and run, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of passing attempts are going to turn into rushing attempts and San Francisco isn't really among the league leaders of passing attempts anyways. So I've been kind of out on the San Francisco passing game with an exception of Debo Samuel, just because he was the he was the cheapest of the three. You know, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. Debo was the best value in my opinion. It's worked out so far. But you know, this this usage for Ayuk, it can't continue. And maybe it's best for fantasy if it does. If you know if because we I don't think we can afford Targets being spread out to three primary options here. You know, I don't know, especially if and when. I mean, whenever Trey Lance takes over, whether it's this season or whenever. You know, like I said, a lot of those rush or passing attempts are going to turn into rushing attempts, and I don't think we can support three pass catchers with any kind of consistency in that volume. I want to talk about Elijah Mitchell. He, I mean, he gets some work. He gets 19 total touches, 19 total opportunities, 17 carries, two catches. Only gets 53 total yards. And I know he had a good game last week, but, I mean, we just saw what an actual good running back can do against Detroit's defense. Uh, dude scored four touchdowns. Um, Look, here's what stinks about Elijah Mitchell. And then, you know, if you're not following me on Twitter and you are if you are a regular listener to this show, you need to be following me on Twitter because you know in my episode last week, I went on, you know, I went on like a little rant where I said, you know, you can't drop all your fab on Elijah Mitchell because Raheem Mostert is going to come back. They've already told us he's gonna come back. Okay, well he didn't come back. Right? I mean he's he's not gonna come back now. He's out for he's likely out for the year. So, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I promise I tried to get to the pause button before that cough came out. Um, I've already slammed down almost two bottles of water since I started this thing. No, but, you know, so I said on the show a week ago that you can't throw all your fab down on Elijah Mitchell because Raheem Mostert's going to come back. Trey Sermon's going to be active. Yada, 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 yada. Like, you know there's... Comp- you know, competition coming for Elijah Mitchell, and you know that Raheem Mostert has been successful in this backfield. But then it comes out like the next day, I think, or the day, yeah, it was the next day, because you know, Raheem Mostert, you know, likely out for the year. And, you know, part of my argument was, you can't spend all your fab on Elijah Mitchell because Raheem Mostert's coming back. But then he, you know, Raheem Mostert's not coming back. So, you know, that was only one of my reasons. You know, my other reason was that Elijah Mitchell is a slow day three running back with 
a 48th percentile college target share. That archetype in and of itself is not a very, you know, a very, I don't even know how to, <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. No, it, like that archetype in and of itself is not a very fantasy relevant player. You know, not a consistently, you know, reliable fantasy player. You know, we just don't see it very often. So then, you know, so this is why I kind of say that you should really be following him on Twitter following me on Twitter if you are an avid listener of this podcast. It's not because I'm thirsty for followers, you know, I you know, I could care less. But I put on Twitter, you know, I shared a screenshot. I was bidding $16 on out of a $100 budget on Elijah Mitchell. I said this is the most I'm willing to bid on a small day 3 running back with a 48th percentile college college target share. And, you know, there's, the reasons for that are twofold. One, because, you know, I don't want to blow all my fab on a player I don't believe in. And then two, like, like you know, you blew all your fab on him. He had to go in your starting lineup. Anybody who blew all of their money on him had to insert him in their starting lineup this year or else why are you blowing all your money on him? Okay, so now the question is, what do we do next week? What do you do next week? Because he only got you 53 total yards this week. Are you throwing him in there again? 53 yards? You know, I brought it up with Joe Mixon earlier when he got 71 yards. I, you know, you know, throughout the, you know, the tenure of this show, I've used the 1,000 yard marker as kind of a benchmark and of, you know. You know, consistently relevant fantasy players. You know, I know that's going to change a little. That's going to have to change a little bit because of the extra game. It's going to be a little bit easier to get a thousand yards. But for me, the standard is I think it's sixty-four yards a game over the course of a sixteen-game season would get you a thousand yards. So sixty-four yards a game is what's imperative to me. Fifty-three total yards isn't going to do it. That's just straight up not going to do it. So are you playing him next week? I think you kind of have to if you blew all your money on him. And that's, you know, that's part of the reason I was only willing to spend $16. If I would have won, I wasn't expecting to win a $16 bid on him, but if I would have won a $16 bid, well, you know, that's I don't feel obligated to start him at that point. I'm comfortable letting a $16 player sit on my bench and see what, you know, just kind of see what I have at that point. You spend 50, 60, I mean, he went for $85 out of a $100 budget in one of my leagues. That's too much. That's that's every week starter type money, you know. That's, that's you know, Dalvin Cook gets hurt. That's Alexander Madison type money. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of, why I was not in on Elijah Mitchell because here's the thing. Maybe he just had a bad game. It is what it is. Maybe not. Or maybe this dude only had 53 total yards on 19 touches because he's not very good as evidenced by him only being 
a sixth round draft pick. I know draft capital doesn't always mean everything. You know, there's tons of good sixth round picks out there. But a vast majority of them are just straight up not good. So why is the 201 pound 48th percentile college target share round six running back going to be the exception? I don't think that he is. And so maybe that's why he only got 53 yards on 19 touches. Because he's a round six guy, and maybe he's a round six guy because he's a round six talent. I don't know. We'll find out as the season goes on. Moving on now, I want to talk about the Raiders real quick. Because I was you know, just kind of baffled at the usage for Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards last week when Derek Carr was just slinging the ball every single play. And they barely had any targets. Neither one of them got a target until, or a catch until four minutes left, four and a half minutes left in the game. This week, Ruggs gets seven targets. We can work with that. He gets the long tutty, five catches. You know, that's what, you know, Ruggs is capable of that. He can get out, you know, he can get on top of the defense, get behind the defense, score long touchdowns. Derek Carr's deep ball, looking pretty good this year if I have to, you know. We've seen Derek Carr play some really good football before. That year, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and Derek Carr got hurt there late in the season. There was legit talk. You know, Derek Carr could win an MVP. You know, he got that huge contract after that season. We've seen Derek Carr play good football before. I'm still not buying in on rugs, especially not Brian Edwards, three targets. You know, I just, I can't do it. I'm done with Brian Edwards. Ruggs' archetype is the, not really the kind I gravitate towards, but if you, you know, if you're in a deeper league or you just you love the upside, I, you know, I don't want to say seven targets is going to be the norm for Henry Ruggs, but there's certainly the opportunity there. It is something I'm going to keep my eye on because if I notice it's you know seven targets here, eight targets there, seven targets here, then I'm going to be interested because you know he is the type of guy with game breaking speed. And if he's going to consistently get work and kind of separate as the number one wide receiver there, I mean, he's not going to be the number one option. That's Darren Waller. But number one wide receiver, then, yeah, I'll be interested. Moving on now to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, not much to say. Honestly, I'm not going to run through everybody's stat lines. I'm just going to say Antonio Brown is the casualty of war in this one. You know, like I said last week, you know, Antonio Brown went nuts. Chris Godwin went nuts. Rob Gronkowski went nuts. Mike Evans was silent. And I was just like, dude, like that's just going to happen. Like there's not going to be enough to go around for all four guys to have a good game every single week. And we're just going to have to start them and hope that, you know, our guy has the least amount of bad weeks of the of the group. You know, because you're starting Godwin, you're starting Evans, you're probably starting Antonio Brown, you're starting Rob Gronkowski. Especially Gronk scores two more touchdowns in this game. But you have to know that, and it's the same with any player, right? You're going to have duds with any player. But you just have to know that with this Tampa Bay team, yeah, Brady's throwing the ball a lot, he's throwing the ball well. But we can't have four pass catchers in one offense 
producing consistently every week. It's just not going to happen. Unfortunately, Antonio Brown was the casualty this game. Uh, switching over now, just want to talk real quick. You know, Mike Williams, what did he get, 12 targets last week? Well, he got another 10 this week. Mike Williams is the real deal. He's here. It's him. It's Keenan Allen. It's Austin Eckler. Like I said earlier, it's a it's an offense where the passing game is consolidated to three players. You know, Austin Eckler gets, I think, nine catches this game. Keenan Allen's going to get his. We've got a good quarterback there, Justin Herbert. Ten targets for Mike Williams. This could be the season. You know, he gets a touchdown, too. I, you know, I've said it a bunch of times. Even going back to last year, Mike Williams was a late-round target of mine because, you know, I, I brought up the point last week, too. You know, he's had the 1,000-yard season. He's had the ten, you know, the double-digit touchdown season. He just didn't put it together. Honestly, this is probably it. This is probably it right here. Which, you know, I don't want to say 1,000 yards. I'm going to say 64 yards a game because I'm not going to lower that standard because, you know, that's that's kind of the bubble, especially for wide receivers. You know, Curtis Samuel last year had barely over 1,000 all-purpose yards, you know, 1,000 yards from scrimmage. And he was, you know, wide receiver 25. So he's right around that top 24 bubble for wide receivers. So the 64 yards a game, it's important to me to keep that standard and not drop it down to whatever it is now that it's a 17-game season. Let me do some math real quick. 58, you know, 59 yards a game. It's not much difference. It's, what, half a point in fantasy. But it's important to me that we keep that standard, that 64 yards a game standard. Um, Other side of that game, the running backs here in Dallas I want to talk about because Zeke gets 18 touches. We can live with Zeke getting 18 touches, 16 carries, two catches on two targets. We want to see a little bit more work than that. He gets in the end zone, which is great, but, I mean, Tony Pollard, 13 carries, three catches on three, or three receptions on three targets. Plus, Pollard gets in the end zone on, you know, they're down at the goal line, they fake it to Zeke, kind of an end around to Pollard, he gets in the end zone. Would have been nice for Zeke to get that one, because I have Zeke in a lot of leagues. But, you know, I really don't know. I'm not going to make an assessment after this game, but I am going to start my assessment after this game. You know, last week I came on here. I was like, dude, I'm not really, I'm just kind of throwing this game out for Dallas because Dak threw the ball 58 times. That's not going to happen. You know, Zeke barely even touched the ball. That's not going to be the norm for Dallas. This one right here could be a lot closer to the norm for Dallas. So this right here is where I'm going to, you know, start my, assessment for the Dallas Cowboys offense and right now Zeke is only out touching Pollard after that game by two um switching now to the Sunday night football game what a game that was my goodness especially for me the adopted Baltimore Ravens fan finally got to see Lamar Jackson take down the Kansas City Chiefs that's huge for him um you could just tell you could tell his body language there at the end of the game he wanted to win that game so badly. I mean, just his demeanor, his facial expressions, just the way he was running around the field, like in between plays, he needed that win. I'm I'm really glad he got it. You know, it's good for the NFL whenever an exciting player like that is winning games. 
But let's talk about these receiving options real quick. I told you not to fall for Sammy Watkins last week. You know, I mean, he gets another seven targets this game, another four catches, but only 44 yards, which I don't think anybody was running to start Watkins after that 90-plus yard performance last week or whatever it was. But it was just something, you know, I wanted, if somebody was considering it, I wanted to come on here and be like, hey, pump the brakes. This is Sammy Watkins we're talking about. He does this to people. Don't fall for it. Um, Mark Andrews, not a very exciting night, but this is what I want to talk about. You know, don't look now. But Marquise Brown gets another six catches on 10 targets this game. And this is kind of the opposite of last week where some of, you know, some of the numbers from the, ah, some of the numbers from wide receivers across the league were inflated because quarterbacks were throwing the ball. We had a bunch of quarterbacks throw the ball over 50 times. Lamar Jackson only threw 26 passes in this game. 26 balls. And Marquise Brown got 10 of them. Now, obviously, he cannot... He can't keep that target share up, especially once Rashad Bateman come, you know, enters the mix. But, dude, watch this game. Watch Marquise Brown's targets. Dude, he's open. He's wide open. I don't know if he's, you know, if these defenses are just kind of overcompensating for his speed or if he's just running the, you know, some crisp routes and separating. I don't know what the deal is. But if he stays getting this open, I don't care. You know, we all know I love Rashad Bateman. Love Rashad Bateman. I can't wait for him to come back. But if Marquise Brown is getting this open consistently, he's going to be an every week starter for fantasy. He's going to score a bunch of fantasy points. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. He's going to rack up a ton of yards. He could be our hope. You know, my wide receiver studies with draft capital that I've talked about throughout, you know, the last couple of years is basically half of round one wide receivers throughout their careers in the past 20 years have gone for a thousand yards or now 64 yards a game. There was only two in that class with Marquise Brown. It was him and Nikhil Harry. It's probably not going to happen for Nikhil Harry. Marquise Brown could be our hope to keep that ratio alive. One out of two getting the 50%. Um, the running backs in that game, Tyson Williams, 13 carries, two catches on two targets. You know, we can take 15 carries in that offense. He didn't score here, so that's kind of a bummer. Latavius Murray gets nine carries, no targets. Devontae Freeman was barely involved. He did get, you know, a long run, but he also got stuff in the backfield. You know, I said it last week, I'm not starting these guys. I'm, you know, I'm, I still can't start him with any kind of confidence. You know, and you likely don't have to. You shouldn't have to unless you just went zero RB to the absolute max. Well, then you're going to have to start one of these guys. But if you drafted any sort of a balanced team or you took your running backs in the middle, you know, you don't you don't have to start these guys. And I simply just wouldn't. You know, I think it's going to be a fairly even timeshare, but it's something that you know, I'll keep an eye on it. If if Tyson Williams starts separating from the pack, we will be the first to know about it. Let's move on now to the last game of the week, Monday Night Football. I was just talking about it at the beginning of the show. Green Bay gets a W. Aaron Rodgers actually looked like Aaron Rodgers. That was great to see. Um, Robert Tunyon gets a touchdown. I've got a lot of Tunyon in leagues where I waited on tight ends, so that was nice. 
Um, hopefully that that trend just kind of continues from last year where he scored a bunch of touchdowns. Um, A.J. Dillon is basically non-existent. Aaron Jones has a huge game, four touchdowns. But, dude, A.J. Dillon just straight up looks like the base-level running back. I mean, they hand him the ball, and it's just straight into the offensive lineman's back for however many yards they blocked for him, and then he's getting tackled. It's, you know, I want to like A.J. Dillon because I want to like gigantic people that can run that fast. But, I mean, I don't know if it's a vision problem. I don't know if it's, you know, a comfort thing because he doesn't get that much work. And I actually have A.J. Dillon in quite a few leagues because I thought he might assume some of that Jamal Williams role. But I'll be, I'll be honest right now. If anything happens to Aaron Jones, like I said, I've got A.J. Dillon on a bunch of teams. I'm... I'm not going to be excited to start him. I might have to throw him in there in some lineups, but I, if I could, I would much rather wait and see, you know, see what the usage is going to look like, see if he's catching screens out of the backfield. You know, I don't want to just automatically rely on this dude. Um, moving on, moving on now to the Detroit side of the ball. DeAndre Swift gets eight carries, four catches on five targets. Williams gets seven carries, three for three on, you know, targets. These guys are splitting the load right down the middle. Um, it, I mean, it stinks because we wanted the upside to be higher than that for Swift. The only silver lining here is that, you know, maybe both of these running backs are going to be among the team leaders in catches slash targets. Um, not a super exciting game for either one of them. Hey, but... Quintez Cephas, on the other hand, I cannot believe I actually, on the air, suggested people adding Quintez Cephas. But, you know, he gets a long reception to start the game. Ends up with four catches on another seven targets. Another touchdown. You know, I mean, there's, there's an opportunity in this offense for someone to be the number one. You know, it's probably going to be Tyrell Williams. But I don't know. You know, Tyrell Williams had that one season a few years ago. But... I mean, if Quintess Cephas is, you know, it's kind of like what I talk about with Michael Pittman. Cephas can come out, and if he can establish himself, he could turn himself into, you know, a flexible fantasy option in deeper leagues, you know, 12-team leagues plus. TJ Hawkinson, my man, leads the target, leads the team in targets with nine, scores another touchdown on a great throw and catch. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, three catches on five targets. He's only five for nine on this season. This it's kind of disappointing because I I kind of liked St. Brown at value this year. I got him in a bunch of leagues just because the opportunity was there. And you know, he was he's been getting buzzed for a few years, you know, in you know, Debbie circles. And I just was kind of hoping that he would be a little kind of like a Terry McLaurin, where he was, you know, McLaurin was a day three, you know, a round three pick. You know, some people liked him, some people weren't that interested, but there was nobody, you know, all he had to do was, in Washington was go there and be decent, and he was going to get a bunch of work. And I was kind of hoping that would be the case for St. Brown. Doesn't really look like that's going to be the case for now. <laughs> Maybe that's not fair to say, but... I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he can take that for you know. It's, we're two games into his NFL career. You know, I think we can. 
afford to be a little bit patient. Now, I want to close the show off on this. I just wanted to bring something up. It's a thought that had crossed my mind Sunday during the game. Is look, I have, you know, I got lucky this year in a lot of my redraft leagues. Not a lot. I don't do that many. But the few that I do, I was able to get Christian McCaffrey. Let me tell you, like, the sinking feeling in my stomach when I got the notification that he was down and headed to the locker room. Bro, it's week two. It's week two, and I thought I might be out Christian McCaffrey for the season. That sucks, dude. That sucks. Same thing with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's dealing with an ankle injury right now. Derrick Henry got over 40 touches on Sunday. You know, so I know this isn't, you know, popular in the fantasy community. It's not popular on fantasy Twitter. I'm just going to say if you have somebody like, if you have your third wide receiver on the bench or a second defense or kicker or whatever, you know, if it's dynasty, just, you know, your longest shot. We, especially, you know, these, these running backs that, that have, you know, definitive backups, you know, like with Christian McCaffrey, I'm going, I'm going to add Chuba Hubbard. If, you know, this redraft and I have Dalvin Cook, I'm going to add Alexander Madison. You know, with Derrick Henry, you know, I don't know that, you know, Jeremy McNichols is the answer. He's not going to get Jeremy McNichols, or he's not going to get Derrick Henry's workload, not even close. The, I mean, probably for Derrick Henry, the handcuff is just to get the wide receivers because they're going to have to throw the ball a lot more. Um, but I'm sorry, dude, it's week two, like, or week three now. I don't want my fantasy season over after week three. I'm making room on my squads. If I have Christian McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard is available, I'm making room on my squad for him. If I have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison is available, I am making room for him on my squad. I'm sorry, dude, it, it's got to happen because you know, I'm not I'm not going to have leagues just over in week 3 or week 4. Like I actually, you know, we wait all year for fantasy football. I don't want, you know, I don't want my season over this early in the year, you know, like so I mean, I know it sucks, you know, it limits your upside, whatever, limits your trade value. You know, okay, I get it, but, you know, it's like in one league, let me just pull it up. I'll pull up just a random, you know, 12-team redraft league, you know, that I'm in. Okay, on my bench, I've got, you know, James White and Russell Gage and Jalen Rager. Like, what, am I going to start one of these guys? Not, Not with any kind of confidence. Absolutely not with any kind of confidence. And I've got Brandon Cooks on the bench. I can start him. Yeah, absolutely. But like, come on now. Like, I can I can drop one of these guys. I can drop Russell Gage. 
Right. I mean, he got seven targets. Yeah, he only got 28 yards. Because he's just, you know, he's not a very good wide receiver. He's not a good enough player that I want to depend on. So, yeah, like, in a situation like this, Jalen Rager, I want to like Jalen Rager. You know, I think he's got some ability. But, you know, he had a bad year last year, even this year. I mean, this week, two catches on five targets for five yards. Not going to get the job done. You drop Jalen Rager, he's probably not going to get picked up. I'm sorry. You know, like I said, this is against what I think the fantasy community as a whole preaches. But, I, you know, as soon as I got that notification where Christian McCaffrey was down and I got that just, just churning in my gut, I told myself, especially whenever Christian McCaffrey ended up coming back, and he's okay. I told myself, I said, remember that feeling. I said, like, this is my inner dialogue. I said, remember how you felt just now. And yeah, you know what? If you get Chuba Hubbard and McCaffrey goes down, Hubbard's probably not going to save your season, but he might be able to keep you afloat. Let's say Christian McCaffrey goes down for seven weeks. Chuba Hubbard might keep you afloat and get you a couple wins. Okay. If I got to sit Christian McCaffrey on the bench and put James White in, I mean, he had a good week this past week, but we don't ever know with James White. We don't ever know with New England running backs. I can't, you know, I would feel much more confident in Chuba Hubbard getting all the touches than I would James White hopefully getting some catches and sneaking in the end zone again. So that's just a little FYI for me. If you have any of these players that got hurt this past Sunday and then, you know, we're lucky enough to come back, remember that feeling. Remember that feeling in your gut. And then tell me you don't feel safer. Like, yeah, give me Chuba Hubbard on the bench over Jalen Rager. I don't want to have to, you know, make my start decision, my start sit decision with Jalen Rager anyways. You know, it, it just kind of limit it. You, it limits you out thinking yourself, outsmarting yourself. Maybe that's bad process. I don't know. I'm sure some people are screaming at their phones right now. You know, but at the end of the day, we can't predict the future. But we know injuries are going to happen. And I it made it a point to rem, like remember how I felt when I saw that Christian McCaffrey injury notification. And I'm telling you right now. I am going after Chuba Hubbard in the league where I own McCaffrey. I am going after Alexander Madison in the league where I have Dalvin Cook. That's just going to happen. Um, but that is going to do it for this week's episode. I sat there and droned on and on and on. Um, yeah, so much for being sick, right? Um, that, anyways, I have been your host, Derek Walmack. This has been the Dynasty Underground, and as always, thanks for listening.